welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. I remember learning about the legendary Spanish explorer Ponce de Leon. He discovered the state of Florida because he was looking for the legendary fountain of youth. Well, there are still many today on the quest for that fountain of youth, but they're never going to find it because there is no such fountain. There is, however, a fountain of truth that can keep your spirit and soul eternally young. It's a fountain that never runs dry, whose water is free and fresh, and this fountain is the Word of God. Now, I'm afraid that as a society, we've just forgotten how valuable this book really is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to some of the quotes of United States presidents. John Quincy Adams said, The first and almost the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. I speak as a man of the world, and I say to you, search the scriptures. Andrew Jackson said, The Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Abraham Lincoln said, I am profitably engaged in reading the Bible. Take all of this book upon reason that you can, and the balance by faith, and you will live and die a better man. Theodore Roosevelt, he said, Almost every man who has by his life work added to the sum of human achievement of which the race is proud, of which our people are proud, almost every such man has based his life work largely upon the teachings of the Bible. Woodrow Wilson said, A man has deprived himself of the best there is in the world who has deprived himself of a knowledge of the Bible. Calvin Coolidge said, The foundations of our society and of our government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings should cease to be practically universal in our country. The great evangelist Billy Sunday, I believe, put it best when he said, If you take the best out of all of the books of all of the ages ever written in the world, you still would not produce a book that would touch the hem of the garment of the Bible. But what is it that makes this book so valuable? What is it that separates this book from every other book that has ever been written or ever will be written? Well, according to Peter, there are three qualities that makes the Bible the fountain of truth. Number one, the Bible outlives human messengers. You see, Peter had a major goal he wanted to accomplish in writing his second letter. He wanted to remind his readers that their faith was not to be based on a preacher or on a personality, but 
on the principles found in the Word of God. Let's go over here to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 12 through 15. Look at what it says. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by the way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So here, three times in verses 12 to 15, he speaks about remembering. In verse 12, he says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. And then again in verse 13, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. And then again in verse 15, I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. You see, Peter knew he was going to die. And what Peter is saying here is, listen, I'm going to die, but you're still going to have the word of God. The messenger may die, but the message will live on. Peter was a great teacher, but he's gone. Paul was a great teacher, but he's gone. James was a great teacher, but, but he's gone. So down through the centuries, there have been some great preachers of the word. Whitfield was a great preacher. He's gone. Wesley, a great preacher. He's gone. Spurgeon, a great preacher, he's gone. Billy Graham was a great preacher, but he's gone. But the Word of God is still here. Preachers come and preachers go, but the preaching of the Word carries on. Ministers come, ministers go, but the ministry of the Word carries on. Teachers come, teachers go but the teaching of the word carries on. You see, if we did not have the everlasting eternal word of God, then we would be at the mercy of men's memories for whatever spiritual truth we have. You see, oftentimes we forget what we ought to remember and we remember what we ought to forget. Usually, it's not that we can't remember. Sometimes we just don't want to remember. But our faith, it's not based on a man or a memory. Our faith is based on the Word of God. This book not only outlives its friends, it also outlives its foes. You know, American evangelist Vance Havner used to say that for 2,000 years, infidels, skeptics, critics have tried to bury the Bible. 
but it's the only book that can outlive the pallbearers. Voltaire once said, I'm tired of hearing it declared that 12 men suffice to establish Christianity, and I want to prove to them that it only needs one to destroy it. Point number two, the Bible prevails over human experience. In verse 16, Peter is dealing with false teachers, those who deny the truth of Christianity. And look at what he says here in verse 16. He says, For we have not followed cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The word fable is the Greek word muthos, from which we get the word myth. It means a manufactured story that has no basis in fact. And Peter makes the point strongly that Christianity is not a fable. It is indeed fact. Jesus is not a fairy tale figure. He was and is true and real. The reason Peter declares this so strongly is because he was both an eyewitness and an ear witness. A witness is someone who simply tells what he has seen, what he has heard. And Peter was a faithful witness. In fact, he gives his testimony in through verses 16 through 18. It says, For we have not followed cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God, the Father, when a voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, only three people saw this vision and heard this voice. And Peter was one of those three. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Jesus in all of his glory. And they heard the voice of God who said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This experience was glorious and, and, and wonderful. But Peter also knew something about that experience, and that is it was one never to be repeated, and one that could never again be experienced. So where does that leave us who have no vision and heard no voice? Well, Peter tells us that God has given us something better than experience. He's given us the word of God. Verse 19, look at what it says. And we have a more reliable word of prophecy, which you would do well to follow as to a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. 
You see, the point here that Peter is making is the word of God is more sure than what your eyes can see and what your ears can hear. Uh, Psalm 19, there it says this, the testimony of the Lord is sure. The 93rd Psalm says, your testimonies are very sure. The 111th Psalm says, all his precepts are sure. Now, I want to give you a fair warning. Never accept subjective experience over objective revelation. Do you know why? You see, Satan can counterfeit an experience, but Satan cannot counterfeit the Word of God. The Word of God is more sure than a vision you might see. It is more sure than a voice that you might hear. If I were to have some kind of vision, I might misunderstand it. I might not remember it. I might misinterpret it. If I were to hear a voice, well, I might miss part of what was said. Neither visions nor voices can compare with the value of the Word of God. Now, let me be very plain here. Between Moses and Matthew and Malachi and Mark and Lamentations and Luke and Jeremiah and John and Amos and Acts and Proverbs and Paul, we have God's complete once-for-all revelation. All we need is what we have, which is the inspired truth of the infallible Word of God. Luther once said, I have made a covenant with my God that he send me neither visions, dreams, or even angels. I am well satisfied with the gift of the Holy Scriptures, which give me abundant instruction and in all that I need to know both for this life and for that which is to come. Point number three. The Bible surpasses human explanation. Now, the reason why our only authority for anything we believe and any way that we live is the Word of God is because of three qualities that belong uniquely to this book. A, this book is of divine origin. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of the Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Now, the word interpretation literally means to untie or to unfold. What this verse literally says is, no prophecy of Scripture is of its own unfolding. You see, this is not referring to interpretation, but rather to origination. That is, the men that wrote the Bible did not weave their own spiritual web. This book did not originate in the mind of men, but rather it originated in the heart of God. Number two, divine inspiration, verse 21 
For no prophecy at any time was produced by the will of man, but holy men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Now here we find something very interesting. Not only was the writing of the Scripture inspired, but the writers of the Scripture were also inspired. The Greek word moved is a word that refers to a ship driven by the winds when its sails are up. In other words, these writers, they had their spiritual sails up and the wind of the Holy Spirit blew them to write down exactly what God wanted them to say. So as they wrote the word of God, even though they used their, their own style, they used their own vocabulary, their mind was fully engaged. They were guarded in their hearts and they were guided in their minds to say exactly what God wanted them to say. You see, there are those that claim that because the Bible was written by men, it must have errors because men are fallible. Well, Charles Spurgeon dealt with this criticism in a very great way, referring to these Bible critics who used this logic. He said, over and over, they cry, but there is a human side to inspiration. Well, of course there is. There must be the man to be inspired as well as the God to inspire him. Whoever doubted this, the inference which is supposed to be inevitable is that imperfection is, will therefore, to be found in the Bible since man is imperfect. But the inference is not true. God can come into the nearest union with manhood and he can use men for his purposes, and yet their acts may not in the least degree stain his purposes with moral obliquity. Even so, he can utter his thoughts by men, and those thoughts may not be in the least affected by the natural fallibility of man. Remember this. Men wrote the Bible, but God authored the Bible. The Bible never claims to be the words of men. It claims to be the word of God. And as you read the Bible, you cannot escape this stunning conclusion. In the Old Testament alone, phrases like God said, God spoke, the word of the Lord came occurred nearly 4,000 times, 700 times in the first five books, 40 times in one chapter. No other book has, can, does, or will make that claim because the only book that is the Word of God is the Bible. Point C, divine illumination, verse 19. Here's what that says. And we have a more reliable word of prophecy, which you do well to follow as to a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. 
this book that I preach, that we should read every day of our lives, it gives light to the dark and life to the dead. Peter refers to this world here as a dark place. And the word he used literally means murky. So it's like the picture of a dank cellar or a dismal swamp. And into this world that is dark and dank and dirty, God has sent the flaming torch of his word to lead us from darkness to light, from death to life eternal. A Christian received some mail one time from an atheist who had mailed him some infidel literature telling him that if he would read this literature, he would truly be enlightened and his life would be better off. Well, the Christian sat down and wrote the following response to his atheist friend. My dear sir, if you have anything better than the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, the story of the prodigal son, the standard of morality superior to the Ten Commandments, something more comforting in death than the 23rd Psalm, or anything that will throw more light on the future of this world than the book of Revelation, would you please send it to me? Sincerely, your Christian friend. He never received an answer. You know why? Because this is the greatest book on earth. Unparalleled it stands. Its author is God. Its truth, divine. Inspired in every word and line, though it was written by human hands. This is the solid rock of truth. All attacks defies. Or every stormy blast of time, it towers with majesty sublime. It lives and never dies. This is the volume of the cross. Its saving truth, it's sure. Its doctrine, pure. Its history, true. Its gospel, old but never new shall evermore endure. This book is the fountain of truth whose waters are fresh and free and never runs dry. Drink from it and you will have joy on earth and you will have life everlasting. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fountain of truth that is the Word of God. And Father, if there's anyone within the reach of my voice today that has not accepted the truth contained in these inspired pages, I pray that right now they make a commitment, that they make a commitment to, get, to better know you through the study of your Word. I pray a blessing on each and every viewer. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, we've come to that point in the program where we have our special offer for our viewers. Each and every week, we like to offer you a resource, uh, some additional material to just deepen your understanding of God and His will for your life. And today I have a little booklet. It's called The Healing Power of Love. It's a short little booklet, but it says here, Jesus taught people that when they had been given precious talents, they had an obligation to share that with others. And so it talks about the healing power of love. We'd love to have you receive this little booklet as a gift from us. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. There's no cost to you. If you'd like to request this book, it would arrive in your home, postage paid in the mail. Then pay attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website www.l4ltv.com That's the Lessons for Living television website www.l4ltv.com You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario L1G 0A3 And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. And if I could ask you to do us a favor, would, why not let some of your friends and family know uh, when we are on in, in your area so that they too can tune in and watch us each and every week. Uh, just before we go, I want to remind you of a few things. I want to direct you to our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, all of the previous programs are listed there. You have access to all of them. Uh, you can watch those. You can share them with friends. I have, uh, under an area called Sermon Archives, I have specific messages that I've presented around the country on very specific topics. You can watch that. There's a, there's a lesson handout you can download if you'd like that, just to better understand what God has to say about certain things like what happens to us when we die and why do bad things happen to good people. Uh, topics that are of interest to many, many people. There's also a live appearances tab that'll tell you where I'll be appearing live. And if I'm in your area, why not come out and see me? There's also a Donate Today tab where you can make a donation to the ministry. We are a charitable organization. So any donation you make is eligible for an official receipt for income tax purposes. Also want to remind you of our presence on Instagram. Every morning I put out a one-minute devotional video. If you'd like to have access to that, just visit Instagram and follow me, Santos underscore Bill. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook. Before we go, one last website, missionnowcanada.com, which is our international humanitarian work website. Check that one out, missionnowcanada.com. 
and maybe you want to join us on an upcoming mission trip. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to doing this again next time. God bless you.